asks, um, I just want to encourage everybody, if you feel comfortable talking about your vaccination status with other people, I would encourage you to share that information just so that people can be at ease. Uh, the more communication that we have, the easier it is to relax and the easier it is for us to make sure that just everyone feels safe. I know that we're kind of a little bit keeping up appearances with putting on the masks and stuff. It's just in case somebody who visits who isn't vaccinated or doesn't know what's going on or isn't sure if people are vaccinated and stuff. And so we're just trying to be as cautious and as careful and as welcoming as possible um, to everyone who might visit, who might pop in. And then also just make sure that we're a good example for our little ones who unfortunately aren't vaccinated yet. Hey, so I have uh, this morning the most clickbaity title of a sermon I think I've ever, uh, I've ever used. And so it is the five kinds of praying uh, that we need this summer. Now, of course, uh, there are probably some other kinds of prayer that we need this summer, and there's, there's always a need for more prayer. And I don't know, I, I always hesitate to talk about prayer and to preach about prayer because the, the danger is, is that we all start to feel guilty, right? You know, we all, if you've been doing this thing for any length of time, you might be familiar with that uh, passage of Scripture that says, pray without ceasing. And I've never been able to keep that up. I just, you know, I, at some point I stop praying and I, uh, you know, I'm doing something else. And so just based on that little Bible verse alone, I can use that to beat myself up and feel really bad. And uh, there can be all kinds of guilt and shame with those things. But I just want to remind everybody that we, uh, we already confessed our sins to God this morning, right? Like we already came before God and we, we said, God, we haven't loved you with our whole heart. And we haven't loved our neighbors ourselves, and we're sorry, and we repent. And I believe that when we do that, Jesus forgives us. And so if you're struggling, if you're feeling like, if the, even the subject of prayer starts to make you feel guilty, that's not God, okay? That's not God. Maybe there's an invitation. Maybe God's saying, hey, listen, there's more for you. There's more for you to enjoy. There's, there's more for you here. But the, the tone really matters here. The tone is one of blessing, not of condemnation. The tone is one of welcome. The tone is one of invitation. Uh, and so when I say these five kinds of prayer we need this summer, I hope we can kind of chuckle at that and, and laugh and think, yeah, this is sort of like a BuzzFeed article about prayer or something like that, and, uh, and really enjoy that. So, hey, in that spirit, would you, would you start by just praying with me? Father, we need your love to change who we are. And we come to you like little kids today, God, who just are full of need, and I know that you don't want to give us a rock if we're asking for bread. If we're hungry, you want to feed us. And so, God, I ask that you would feed us. I ask that you would feed us through your word and through the experience of talking with you and hearing your voice and listening to you this morning. So, Lord, would you pour out your spirit today again? and speak to us. And I just ask for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the first of all five kinds of prayer that I'm going to focus on in this sermon anyway that we need this summer is we need to receive prayer ministry. We need to be on the receiving end of other people praying for us. And so that's something that we do every Sunday at the end of the service. We invite people forward for prayer. And I just want to say, like, it is, it is good and right, and you're actually kind of doing a service to other people when you step forward and receive prayer, because all of us start our relationship with God from a place of need, from a place of vulnerability, and from a place 
of being kind of in a passive position, really kind of being acted upon by a loving God, by a loving Father who takes care of us and who knows what we need before we ask for it. And so just a couple of scriptures that kind of point us in this direction. You know, Jesus in uh, Matthew 19, verses 14 and 15, he said, let the, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And when he had placed his hands on him, then he went on from there. And then, uh, you know, Jesus took time to bless kids who don't give him anything in return, right? And so, uh, so often that's the way we come to God. We come to God not really having anything to give in return. And what, is, what does Jesus want? He wants us to come to him. He wants us to come to him, and he wants to bless us without us giving him anything in return. Uh, and that's, that's, the way he, that's the way he works. That's the way he, he moves. And I, I would just challenge you uh, to, this is a kind of fun exercise. If you're, it, it works better if you have a paper Bible, because paper Bibles have pages. Uh, but if you try to read the Gospels, I want you to try and find a page in the Gospels where Jesus doesn't heal someone. Can you find a page in the Gospels? There are a few. There are a few. But if you go looking for the page in the Gospels where Jesus doesn't heal somebody or kick a demon out of somebody or free somebody from oppression or speak truth over somebody's life and welcome them into community with himself. If you find a page in the Gospels where Jesus does not heal someone, that is the exception, not the rule. The rule is, is that we come to Jesus and he heals us. We come to him and he gives to us what we need. And he restores our hearts and he makes us whole. You know, some of the most powerful and important parts of my life moments when I have changed and where I grew up a whole lot were moments when I was doing very little other than sobbing on the floor or sobbing as I stood next to somebody who was praying something over me. And I might not even have, even have heard what they were saying because I was just receiving from the Lord. And people were pouring into me and God was pouring into me and changing me and reorienting and rearranging the priorities in my heart and my mind and my life. And I was just there taking. <laughs> like, I was just there receiving what God was giving to me in that moment. I think about, uh, I think about a time, I'm not even really sure exactly how long ago this was, but it was back, it was years and years ago. I think it was probably... At this point, like 17 or 18 years ago, I mean, that's, I mean, that's almost half my life ago at this point. But uh, I was, because I was in my early 20s, maybe, yeah, I think I was at least 20. I think, I'm thinking it was probably about 2003. And uh, we were in the old building uh, way south on Campbell Avenue when this, where this church used to meet. Tim was the pastor, and I was a kid. I was in, in college, and Tim was talking about the Holy Spirit and just how, you know, sometimes we just need to receive more of God. And that it's not the case that, uh, that if you're a Christian believer that you are somehow lacking something, that there's somehow something that you're missing if you haven't had one kind of a spiritual experience or another. Uh, it's not the case that if you are a baptized believer in Jesus that you don't 
uh, receive the Holy Spirit when you receive Jesus. Uh, but he was just talking about how, you know, there is always more to receive from our everlasting and eternal and infinite God. There's always more. There's always more to get. There's always more love to be lavished on us. There's always more power and strength to rise to the occasion to serve and love our neighbors and our families and the people that are around us. And uh, I just was at a place, I was, I was kind of cut to the quick, and so I did something I had never done before. I stepped forward for prayer ministry. I'd been a Christian at that point for probably about four or five years. I came to Jesus when I was 14, so if I'm 20 or 21, yeah, four or five years. Uh, and maybe six, okay, yeah, math teacher, that's me. Okay, so, uh, and so, um, but, but I had been in all kinds of different ministry situations, lots of different denominations, lots of different practice, but the altar call thing was always something that kind of intimidated me a little bit. It was a little, weird, a little bit weird, not the tradition I grew up in, just a little bit strange to me. And so, uh, you know, when I started kind of hanging out around the vineyard and we do this thing called ministry time, I wasn't exactly sure what that was all about and what, what that meant. But I just got this strong sense and this, long and this, this longing and this ache in my heart that I just, I just wanted more of Jesus. I just knew that there was something more that God wanted for me and that I wanted from God. And I was just, I was just desperate for God to do something in my heart and in my mind. And so I, I did something I'd never done before. I, I, I came to the front. And to me, this was like, at that time, it felt like the most embarrassing, awkward thing like, I could feel the eyeballs in the back of my head, and I could, you know, I just felt so weird to stand up and kind of do this public demonstration of, you know, saying that I want God. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget it, you know, like, a couple people just came up, and they put their hands on, their shoulder, on my shoulders. Well, one guy came up, and he put his hand on my shoulder, and I just, and he said, hey, how, how can I pray for you? And I said, I just... I just want more of God. He said, okay, let's ask for that. And he just started to pray that God would fill me. And I don't even, I don't know how much he said. He said like a few words, but I just started to cry like a baby. And it was weird because that was something I was not used to. I wasn't used to emoting uh, at church. You know, church was a place where you go to learn the scriptures and you get the doctrine and you get things figured out and you come away with knowledge and you feel righteous and all these good things and it's and and those not no shade on that that's not a bad thing but there is more and uh and and god was giving me more i was receiving from jesus in that moment and i began to weep and i began to sweat and i began to experience like this warmth and this this sort of a sense of a weight a presence around me that i had not experienced I wouldn't say I hadn't ever not experienced it. I think I experienced it once or twice by myself when I was praying in the 90s, and I got really weird and ecstatic, and all my Christian friends were like, okay, Josh is, Josh is getting a little, bit, a little bit out there, but whatever, he's into Jesus, it's fine, it's cool. Uh, but but the, the Holy Spirit just met me in that moment, and it was a powerful experience, and that was the first of many. Shortly after that, Tim, who was the pastor at that time, he came up and he said, 
hey, I don't know how to describe uh, what happened other than to say I felt you come up. <laughs> there was like something that happened in him. And so then he started to pray for me. And while he was praying, both of the people who were praying for me, they, they both ex- expressed that they, they said, hey, you know, my hand is getting really hot. I'm just going to take my hand off your shoulder slightly because it's actually a little uncomfortable for me. So I'm going to take my hand <laughs> off of you while we're praying for you. And, and, but I could still feel the heat coming out of their hands into my back. It was like a weird, it was powerful. It was, it was, it was it, and you know, I don't, I didn't totally understand what was going on. I'll, I'll be honest, I still don't know if I totally understand what was happening in that moment, but God was doing something. God was meeting me in that moment and confirming his desire for me, his desire to love me, his desire to strengthen me, to encourage me, to build me up, and to be with me, and to respond to that desire that I had for more of his love and more of his power in my life. And that is something that is all throughout the scriptures, particularly through the book of Acts. You know, when we look at verse 14 in chapter 8 of the book of Acts, it says that when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit uh, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so we see this this practice of of being filled with the Holy Spirit, of receiving the Holy Spirit, of having an experience with God where only God could explain the phenomena that happened, that something supernatural happens when we pray. And that's a good thing, and it's something that we are called to, first of all, receive. That it is something that happens to us. That we stand in a posture of saying, Lord, I want that thing that you have to give to me. I want you. And God meets us in that place. And this is so crucial and so important for every Christian believer. To be in a community of people that are praying for you, that are pouring into you, that are giving you life. And I never want us to be a community of people that are just slaving away for God. I never want us to be a people who are overworked. And I know that we're a small church. And I know that we ask a lot of everybody who chooses to really mem and to really be a part of this thing. I know that we give sacrificially. And like you're giving to God, and it's a beautiful thing. And I see it, and I don't take any of it for granted. But I just want to say that receiving is really important. And this is a summer and a time when we're coming back together, and we're coming back together to receive, first of all. And so please, rest in the Lord. Come and receive from God at church. It's important, okay? Let someone else pray for you. That's the first kind of prayer I think is really important. Second, corporate worship. You know, uh, Phil uh, sang a song this morning that he wrote, and, and, and April's been writing some songs, and other Phil's been writing some songs, and other people have been writing songs in the background, and I think we still are cracking the code on how do we effectively collaborate with each other and get all those songs in the rotation. How do we, how do we uh, you know, really c- continue to cultivate 
this practice of songwriting that is our heritage as a vineyard church, but, uh, you know, when we're singing those songs and when we're writing those songs, it's not just so we can make like a cool album or something. It's not just so that we can be artsy and hip. It's so that we can connect with God through prayer as a community. And when we sing the songs that we write or that we sing the songs that other people have written or we sing the songs that God is birthing in our hearts and, and, and bringing about in our community, those songs, uh, they get embedded into our souls. They become kind of like a place that we can go and we're formed by those things. We learn how to pray as we pray with other people in community. And so when we lean on some of these historic prayers of the church, and when we lean on the psalms, and when we lean on hymns and songs of worship that are sung together in unity, in community, you know, one of the beautiful things that music does is it helps us all say the same thing at the same time. I don't know if we think about that, but there's something beautiful in agreeing when we all sing a song together. We're saying we all want this same thing, Jesus. We all want to tell you how beautiful you are, Lord. All of us together want you to know that we need you and that we love you and that we're grateful that you forgive us of our sins. We want you to heal us and we want you to restore us we come to you like little kids as children we come with our arms open wide there's power in that unity and there's power in that agreement that god responds to and that forms us and we see a couple examples of this in the book of acts particularly uh we read this one just a couple of, of sundays ago when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place so they were like praying and worshiping and seeking the lord together in another instance, a few chapters later, it says uh, they're kind of responding to being persecuted, the church was, and, and, and they prayed. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You know, that's the thing that happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. We speak truth to each other in love. We speak truth to the world in love, and we speak the word of God boldly when we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And when we gather together in corporate worship and prayer together, that happens. Third, I just want to highlight private devotion. This is probably where you thought we were going at the beginning of the sermon. And yeah, we are going there because it's important. It's good. It's like good to cultivate an individual prayer life. And I, I will notice a couple things. I will notice a couple things. I think personality plays in to which one of these you like more or that jives with you more a little bit, right? Like, I think that some people can feel almost distracted or annoyed by corporate worship practices. If we're really honest, that like, you know, I'm in, I know I'm supposed to pray with other people, I know I'm supposed to pray with others, but sometimes when that guy is praying that way, just a little, I'm like, I wish you would pray more quietly so that I could have my experience with God because I am really connecting with God. And I think some of us, some of us is probably the other way around. I, I'll just say I am the other way around, that I struggle more to pray on my own. When I am alone, sometimes it is more of a struggle for me to feel like 
anything is happening, to feel like I'm really connecting with God or that, that something is taking place when I'm praying or when I'm listening. It, it can feel lonely. It can feel um, difficult. And I benefit greatly from the experience of praying with other people. And I think that personality can play into that a little bit. But I will say that whatever our personality proclivities, whatever the thing that we sort of gravitate to towards, or whatever's easier, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, if you like to pray with others more, you like to pray by yourself more, that both of these are good and necessary and actually have a positive feedback loop into each other. That when I pray in community with other people, I learn how to pray, I'm encouraged, other people can minister to me, I can minister to other people, there's a really good give and take there that teaches me something, that encourages me, that, that helps me when I'm alone, and when I'm doing the thing that's hard for me, to pray by myself. Also, when I take time before I'm going to meet with other people, before I'm going to get together with others, to pray alone and to connect with God myself, just me and the Lord, by, by myself, when I push through the discomfort of that, and when I find God in those places, I find that that connection that I have with other people when I come back together, that that helps me in that practice and in that, in that environment. It helps me have something to give. It helps me have something to share. It helps me experience God in that community. And so when I'm praying by myself, it helps me get better at praying with others. When I'm praying with others, it helps me pray by myself. Uh, I wanted to just highlight a couple of things. You've heard these verses, and you've seen that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That was kind of his pattern. And he often disappointed a lot of people. <laughs> you know, he was not where people wanted him to be or not where people expected him to be. You can see in the Gospels people are chasing him, trying to figure out where he's hiding at any given moment because Jesus is withdrawing. He's not trying to be the superstar. He's seeking the Father in intimacy and in seclusion, seeking God's approval more than the approval of men. And so then Peter, being Jesus' disciple, we see that the disciples kind of continued in that tradition. They tried to be like Jesus and follow him that way. Uh, this is right before Jesus, or Peter gets that vision uh, that leads him to go and talk to Cornelius, who happens to be a total Gentile, like no Jewish connection at all, not even a Samaritan, just like a pagan, you know, uh, heathen, right? Uh, and, so, and so about noon the following day, as they're approaching their, their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. Peter goes alone to pray, and he sees this vision of a sheet coming down, all kinds of weird, wild animals. Read the story. It's really trippy, uh, but it's really cool. I'm really glad it's in the scriptures, because real quick, is anybody, anybody here with Jewish heritage? Do we have anyone? I'm, I'm not trying to pick on you. I, I would love to celebrate. Hey, a little bit, a little bit, tiny bit. Okay, so like one person in this crowd has some mild relationship to to Jewish ancestry, and yet we are all here to worship the Jewish Messiah. That's because Peter went up on the rooftop to pray by himself. And while he was up on the roof praying by himself, God met him and spoke to him and led him to Cornelius' house, and the gospel broke into the Gentile world. And so I'm really glad that all of us, all of us, uh, 
all of us un- uncircumcised, all of us, all of us weird Gentile people get to be grafted in. I'm really glad that we get to connect with Jesus because Peter went up on the roof to pray. Uh, I, I just want to highlight something here. This might seem like a left turn, but Echo Prayer app, okay? Uh, this is a way that we can support each other and encourage each other to uh, facilitate that practice of prayer. And I, uh, I like this app because uh, it is a way for us to communicate with each other prayer needs and prayer requests and to be praying for every person in the church. Uh, I, I find that a lot of times as I'm going through uh, and just I, uh, everyone's name is in there, right? And so we're trying to keep that database updated and make sure everybody's name is in there who's who's kind of membing or being a part of our church and so uh you know you kind of just scroll you can scroll to the left you can swipe left or swipe right right and uh and and as you scroll through you see people's names and it's just like their name and you just pray for them you just pray for that person and you can do it in two seconds or less you know sometimes i'm just like lord bless that one bless that one bless that and maybe somebody else out there like oh hold on, I feel like I need to pray a little more for this person. And so something will come to mind. I'll pray for that person for maybe 20 or 30 seconds. And then I say, okay, and then I just keep going. And then I'll see a prayer request. Oh, somebody's got like a health thing going on. Lord, would you, would you be with that person? Would you take care of that person and that health thing? Would you be with them as they're grieving that loss in their family? Would you bless that person? And I've just found that this really helps facilitate both kind of that corporate prayer, but also kind of in a more individual way. And it's a way that we as a community can facilitate that. Uh, also, it's also a way for us to share needs in the church that we can pray for as individuals and in our individual devotional time uh, through that app. And I want to just say I haven't done a super great job of maintaining that. And I just want to kind of confess that to everybody, but I have time now. This summer... <laughs> That's going to change. And so I'm going to be in there at least weekly updating, kind of cleaning things up, saying, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so, did that prayer request you posted three weeks ago, did that get answered? Yes, it did. Okay, awesome. I'm going to mark that answered, and we'll get some other stuff in there. And I really want to try to integrate some, some kind of scripted prayers, some kind of fancy highfalutin prayers, you know, like uh, stuff from the ancient church, stuff from oppressed people. I think it's really good for us to pray with people who are experiencing injustice, and from that place, um, and to really, uh, to really embrace that stuff. And so I just encourage you, if you, haven't subscri- if you haven't downloaded the Echo Prayer app, and you haven't subscribed to the Springfield Vineyard feed, please do that. You can do that on the digital connection card, or you can do that on the paper connection card. Just write, hey, sign me up for Echo Prayer. All I need is your email address, and we will get you signed up for that so that we can all be praying together as a community in our prayer closets individually. Fourth, number four on the list of five clickbaity things that we need to pray for is intercession for our city. You know, I think that we see this throughout the scriptures, you know, praying in all kinds of situations, all kinds of ways. We see the ways that prayer has, has supported and that people who are praying and who are following God's will and who are seeking the Father, how that pattern has happened throughout church history over and over and over again. And so uh, we're doing that in a certain way, but I just kind of want to meditate on this little scripture just as an encouragement. It says, love must be sincere. Now, when we pray for people, we have to be sincere. We have to really care about people. We have to really love them. People can tell if you're faking it. And I know that prayer 
is like one of the main ways that when I don't feel very loving, or when I feel kind of apathetic, or when I would rather just like sit down and entertain myself with endless entertainment uh, from a glowing screen, that uh, prayer is one of the ways I break out of that. That connection with God uh, actually helps me to love people and to be a loving person, to be open to loving more people and to not be exhausted by people, to want to care for others and, and welcome other people into community. And so love must be sincere, and prayer is a way that can get us there. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And share, the Lord, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So a few things that we're doing with these silly door hangers. All right, so these are quite simple, right? It's a little door hanger. It goes on a doorknob. There's the doorknob right there. And it says, we prayed for you. That's it. On the back, it says, we love our community, and so we're praying for our community. If there's anything we can pray about specifically, let us know. Contact information. That's it. And so what we're doing, what we have done at least once, uh, a couple people, and we've laid some of the groundwork for this in the spring, and unfortunately, I just kind of ran out of steam with uh, halftime teaching, and so uh, we just didn't push as hard as we needed to to, to actually kind of make this happen a few times, but I'm hoping that we can do this in and through small groups. Um, we can get, it, you can do it with just a couple people. Uh, so what you do is you get a stack of these, and you go and you walk down a block, and you just pray for all the people that live in all the houses on that block. Now, I'm not saying, like, knock on the door, and can I pray for you right now, and, oh, I got a word about back pain, and no. Though I'd love it if we do that someday, that, but that's not what we're doing right now. That's not this thing. That's not the super confrontational crazy uh, Holy Spirit thing that I'm probably going to ask you to do sometime. That's not what I'm asking you to do right now. What I'm asking you to do right now, prayerfully consider doing, is to just walk on a block and have a private conversation with God on behalf of everyone who lives on that block and see what God will do. And we're just going to let people know, hey, we're praying for you. You can leave this on your door hanger. And if you want prayer, if you want connection with God, if you need help, reach out to us. Here's our contact information. We've got somebody, Beth is checking this email address that we set up specifically for this. This loops in to the Echo Prayer app. So when people reply with prayer requests that it's like, oh, hey, you know, so-and-so just died in my family, or I'm really struggling with this, or I got this illness, or whatever, we get our church praying for those needs because we have a way to share them in a way that's not social media with each other in a way that we can pray for that person, maintaining anonymity and protecting people and all that stuff. And we've talked, Beth and I have talked, we've got a good system for that. And so uh, we're trying to build some systems that help us blanket our community in prayer. That's what we want to do. Daniel was cool enough to set up this really awesome uh, map so we can kind of track these are the blocks that we've covered. And there's like a little, there's a little spot of blue and an apartment complex kind of in southeast Springfield. And then there's a little, little patch of a couple blue streets around Phelps Grove 
A couple of us went and prayed before the Easter service. I'd love to cover that whole neighborhood. I'd love to cover my whole neighborhood. I'd love to cover your whole neighborhood. I want to see every street in Springfield covered in blue because we have just baptized our city in prayer because we love our city and we love the people in our city and we want everyone to know that God loves them and cares about them and has everything that they need. And so uh, we'll be doing that this summer. I'm hoping to maybe do at least one of these a month and hopefully do that through small groups and get some small groups doing that. Okay? And then uh, number five on our five-point list. Uh, I may never do another five-point list again, but this was, this was it. Uh, guess what? It's prayer ministry again. Uh, do, do I love prayer ministry? Yes, I do. I love it so much, and it is the thing that I think we do super well at this church, and that is such an important part of our church. In doing prayer ministry, I find that I often receive almost as much as I receive when I'm just receiving prayer ministry. Like, when God is working through my prayers to bless another person— and I'm watching them get healed, or I'm watching them get saved, or I'm watching them get forgiven of their sins, uh, it is the most powerful thing and the most encouraging thing to me. And it is not just something that happens to us, but it's something that we get to participate in and do. And that happens so powerfully, and we learn how to do that on Sunday morning when we're praying for each other here, but also in small groups. And, and there is something, I think, that's a little maybe more uh, a little more approachable, a little less high pressure, a little, bre- a little less visible maybe, and so if you feel more comfortable in that zone, getting prayer in small groups, uh, that can be a really good training ground to be the kind of person who, uh, and to become the kind of person who is itching to pray, who is eager, who is thirsty to uh, have the opportunity to say, can I pray for you right now? Can we just welcome Jesus' spirit right now in this moment and see what will happen, and expect that God is going to do something. As we experience it ourselves, as it happens to us, we get filled with the vision and the, and the sense of expectation that this is something that can happen through us, and that we can carry that with us and give it away to everyone. And I want to kind of just float this idea with you all. One thing we're thinking about as, uh, as we're kind of planning this next year is we want to do a baptism service uh, probably in late summer. We want to wait until Kara's back uh, because I think maybe another one of ours might be ready to go on the baptism game. Uh, but we're thinking we want to do baptism service and we want to take that thing and roll it outside and set it up outside. And then as a celebration of the new life and of the, of the commitment that people are making to give the, all of themselves to Jesus, to die to this life and to be raised to new life in Christ, I want to get a bunch of water guns out. And I want to fill those water guns with the water from that baptism tank. And I want us to splash each other until we all leave soaking wet, until we remember the love of God that is messy and that exudes out of us so that we cover each other in the love and the grace and the baptism of Christ and we celebrate the new life that people are committing themselves to. I just, it's an idea. I want you to tell me all the reasons why we shouldn't do that and talk me out of it. Otherwise, it might happen. I'm just saying. Uh, and, and, uh, and maybe that can be our, our wet welcome for people as they're coming back into the school year. I don't know. We'll see. 
we'll see how it goes. We'll see if we actually pull the trigger on that. But uh, I want to just read an example of a person, very flawed person. I could have read about Ananias. I could have read about a less known character. All kinds of people participate in this stuff. You've heard me preach about that before, but I'm going to just read this. Acts 9, 32 says this, that as Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda, and there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll, your, roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And that's what it's about, right? Like, it's not about, did you peel somebody? Do I have that notch in my belt? Am I gutsy enough to take that kind of a risk for God? That's not what it's about. It's about people seeing the work of God and turning to the Lord. It's about God healing and redeeming and setting people free and coming into relationship with him. And that's what we want, and that's what we want to see. And I believe that God is leading us into a season of that, but it, we need to kind of get in that mindset, right? Because while God will do things as we receive from him, uh, we, also, we also have a role to play in that, right? It, it, people don't get healed around you without your informed consent. God isn't going to force you to lay hands on anybody. He's going to invite you, and it will feel terrifying to take the risk. It will feel like I'm going to die of embarrassment as soon as nothing happens after I do this, right? Like, that is what it always feels like because we live in this tension. We live in this now-not-yet tension, and so it is a risk. It is faith. It is stepping out and trusting that if we continue to live in this posture of obedience and risk, that God will meet us in that place. And guess what? turns out he does. He does. And I've seen people healed. I've seen people healed in our community. I've seen people get saved in this community. I want to see a lot more people get saved in this community. I believe God is in our midst. and His presence is so powerfully here this morning. God is with us. And we need to experience more. And so uh, we're going to both do and receive prayer ministry right now. Would you stand?